Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arseholics. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, as usual, please hit the thumbs up button if you enjoy the episode. And if you haven't already, uh, subscribe. We appreciate the support. Thank you very much. So boys, Raj, Aaron and Nero, how are we doing? Amazing. Fantastic. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you guys. What, what a day to record a podcast. Eh? I know. <laughs> Happy days. Probably going to be our best one yet, hopefully. Yeah, this so is the, Arsenal. It's going to get better <laughs> than this, right? Like, it's the recording peak. straight after a win. Um, hopefully, we I'm, can say I'm some like sensible that. things, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can. I'm sure we'll be able to. So, Arsenal 2, Tottenham 1. Uh, very well-deserved win for the Arsenal today. Getting one over on Jose as well, which is always nice, even though we haven't done it very often in the past. Um, let's go into the lineups really quickly. Well, I say really quickly, but with massive surprise obviously with what happened with Bamiyang being dropped to the bench uh for disciplinary reasons apparently um Cedric played at right back um Smithrow was fit again so back into the team ahead of William uh, and obviously Lacazette coming in for uh Abamyang. so what were you what were your thoughts when you guys saw the lineup and saw that Abamyang wasn't wasn't starting today I think I probably said a few swear words and um yeah like i think before before the match right i saw the stat and we were briefly discussing it that we had a fully fit squad and then Myers, mm. i think you were joking right they were like you're like we'll find a way to mess this up and get two or three injuries and then lo and behold yeah. our captain is dropped for disciplinary reasons on the day of the north london derby like how it's just so typically us to have something go wrong when we're doing all we can to avoid things going wrong. But, you know, like at the, when it came out, you know, first of all, it came out and it wasn't clear that he was dropped for disciplinary reasons. I thought, you know, maybe he's being rested. Maybe there's some weird tactical reason why he's doing it. But I couldn't really think what that tactical reason might be because this is, you know, this is Spurs at home. You play your best team. And then obviously it came out that he was dropped. And then the story came out that he was dropped for being late. And, you know, I think rules are rules, right? And with with Arsenal, we've over the last five or six years, we've built a bit of a culture where we accommodate players. I know, Ozil comes to mind specifically where, you know, we say, look, we don't want you playing because either your attitude's not right or something's wrong, but because you're delivering on the pitch, we play you. And this is very easy to say because we won, right? Mm. But I honestly think... Even if we, you know, got smashed four 0 today, it was the right decision. If a player does something wrong and they break the rules, you kind of have to drop them because even though it punishes the fans, it punishes everyone. It's the only way you get discipline and order. And we're a club that's historically been severely lacking discipline and order. Hundred percent agree with that, and I think it goes to the match in in general when you know quite often you analyze a match with the result in mind. Um, and like I guess you say, Aaron, and like if we had lost, then people probably would have really criticised the decision. But yeah. fundamentally, I think it's important to just try and strip it back and say, irrespective of result, you know what was the right thing to do. And I think that definitely was because there's all these younger players who, with the best will in the world, consciously or unconsciously, if they see their captain get away with it, what kind of impression is that leaving on them? And what I'd what I'd hope is. Because apparently it is a case where he turned up late. So like, something as simple as that. 
I hope that he has turned around now at full time, especially, and just sort of turned, you know, put his hands up in the dressing room and said, I-, I let everyone down by doing that. It was the right call by the manager. You know, I think he, he needs to say something like that if that is what's happened. Yeah. I think, um, I think, yeah, credit where credit due to Arteta. He's always, I think from the, from day one, he's always had his um, sort of stamp on what he feels the right culture should be. Um, and he's sort of taken a prisoners with that, especially after, you know, with what's happened with like Gunduzi. Um, and I think I completely agree with you guys. I think before it was sort of turning into a bit of a joke with the sort of culture at Arsenal. And, you know, you heard stories about uh, under the, like the Wenger days, it was, you know, Per Mertesacker was like, you know, his right-hand man who used to sort of go around collecting, you know, fines and, you know. And like when you hear those kind of stories, it was obviously at the time it was like really funny, but then it also shows that it was, it was more of a jokey culture where people, you know, do get away with a lot of stuff. Um, and I think today's call was a massive call, um, dropping your captain and your arguably your best player against your biggest rivals. Um, and I think that's a, that's, a, that's a statement that Arteta made to the rest of the, all the players, really, and the fans that, you know, there's no special rule just because you're our top goal scorer or captain. Um, you all have to do it my way. And as you've said, you've seen all the clear out in January and, you know, people like Gunduzi going off on loan as well that, Arteta is trying to build this new culture um, and discipline. Um, and I think a testament to that is that the players, you know, like obviously Aubameyang is a popular sort of player in the team um, and dropping him could have had a negative impact on everyone else who had, have, you know, could have, you know, been a bit pissed off with his actions or, you know, sided with Aubameyang. But the fact that they all came out and still play professionally uh, is again testament to Arteta that he everyone else is sort of slowly buying into this sort of new disciplined culture. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, like you said, we've seen it a lot from Arteta. Um, there's lots of examples of it, and I guess it's a case of it's the same rule applies to the every single player, which which is good, like you said, to ensure that discipline's there and being reintroduced into the club. Um, quite funny actually, because I saw a tweet earlier. I don't know if you guys saw this. So there's a guy <laughs> who's taking a picture. Um, of uh, Muswell Hill, traffic in Muswell Hill, and it looks like it's Aubameyang's car. And he said, uh, if anyone is wondering why Aubameyang was disciplined for being late for the match today, this is him stuck in traffic at 12.04 p.m. Muswell Hill. <laughs> so I don't know what time the players have to get to the ground or, you know, what the kind of uh, schedule is, but... Um, I thought you were yeah. laughing at that. I, I saw a different tweet after the game uh, with, um, what's his name, the North Korean leader. And they had sort of Arteta's face in there. Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Kim Jong-un, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, Arteta's the new dictator. <laughs> <laughs> I, think just, uh, I think Man United fans trying to hate on us I think <laughs> yeah. it's good like you say Nero like I think a really important point is that clearly it was something that happened at last minute and clearly a player of his seniority and his style it, there's not an obvious replacement like Lacquer doesn't o- offer the obvious replacement so what was really remarkable I found was how connected we looked from kickoff how everyone played like we had been rehearsing this this unit um, when clearly it wasn't. Clearly, you know, last minute dropping your captain, your team have to react, don't they? And they did. And uh, that was such a really pleasing point, actually. And yeah, people will say, look, it's it's easy to say when you've won that you blame, you, you know, you praise Arteta for doing the right thing. But I honestly think if we had lost, the blame wouldn't have been on Arteta for dropping over it would have been on over for being late Mm. because you know i think there's a huge acceptance that this club 
has been, from a disciplinary point of view, been drifting and the standards have been drifting for so long. There, um, there just needs to be that acceptance of like rules are rules and you follow and you step in when needed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you think, yeah. um, and, sorry, I was going to say, I know obviously it was more of a, more of an impact on our sort of starting lineup and, um, at, um, you know, just attitude for us players. Do you reckon psychologically it would have had any impact on the way Spurs approached the game? You know, thinking, you know, they're going to obviously throughout training and their match preparation would have been, we've got a Bamiang here, how to deal with him. The fact that we had a completely, like I said, different type of player, which is like a Z to Bamiang starting. Do you think that would have had any impact from their, from Spurs' side in terms of their match preparation and how they started the game? I think it's, it's I was going to say, yeah, it's obviously it was a quite a late call on Aubameyang. So I'm not sure how much, I mean, in terms of preparation, no. Um, possibly, maybe there might have been a tweak or maybe Jose might have said something to them as they came out with the coaches. But even if, even if it's almost like, I don't think Lacazette had a particularly good game. So I don't think he really caused them too, too many problems. Um but the instructions to the players would have changed last minute, right? How you'd how you defend against a Bamiang versus how you'd yeah, defend maybe. against Lacazette. Yeah. I think that probably you know, if it, he is like our Harry Kane equivalent, right? If it was a like for like thing. And if if the Arsenal defenders at the last minute found out Harry Kane wasn't playing, um they'd be ecstatic. I think they'd go in with an extra step of confidence. So you know, I'm sure it had a really positive effect mentally on um, on the Tottenham players, particularly the defenders. Um, I think they may have thought you're at this level. I think it's a good point, Nero. But like, you know, you assume at this level, defenders are so professional that they have you know really prepared for the event for, for the possibility of any striker that they're going to face in that game and any situation, and they would know what Aubameyang's like. They would know what Lacazette is like. You would assume that. Um, and and I think to to Miser's point as well, given it was such a late change for us, I, we probably didn't make any change to our system. It was probably just a you know let's go as we trained um, and go for it. And uh, but hey, at the end of the day, I mean, it just felt like there was a clear plan from us and a clear plan from them at the beginning, wasn't it? We were going to attack and they wanted to defend. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and. Um... It was uh, quite a similar pattern to the time we, well, to the time when we played them in December. In terms of, we came out, started really well, dominated the game, dominated possession without really creating much in terms of clear cut chances. Obviously, ESR had that long range shot which hit the bar. Um, quite unlucky with that. But uh, in terms of their goal, came at a time where yeah, we were dominating, um, deserved to go, deserved to be in the lead just on the on the back basis that we were dominant game but again just not creating enough clear-cut chances and their goal was a complete kind of sucker punch from that perspective again very similar to the to the first game or to when we played them at the lane you know um obviously they didn't really hit us on the counter but um yeah what what a goal um from lamella um aaron and you said in our chat in the game <laughs> that you thought what did you say it was lucky did you say it was, it was lucky a, oh, sorry, i said i, said, I used the word jammy right jammy so i yeah. think um <laughs> <laughs> so my point is he could it was just so typical that he did that in a game where we had been dominating up until that point and you know he he managed to get it through Saka's legs and into the corner of the goal and beat Leno 
all at the same time. So, yeah, obviously... Apparently, he scored a similar goal like that was it in Europe yeah. a couple of months ago. It was a, so it was a like he's, very, very he's good goal. He's clearly skilled like that, yeah. And I can say this now because because we won. <laughs> it was a very good goal. So, the, <laughs> the only thing... Yeah. No, is, is when I looked over the goal, I looked at... See, is there anything that any of our players could have done differently yeah. or better? Mm. From the time the ball came across to the diagonal to Reguillon's kind of pass across to you know could is there anything we could have done to stop those things and 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 honestly that there's not there's nothing i can fault any of our players the only thing i suppose is that when when lamella got that ball the only thing he could do is put it through Partey's legs because i think it was Partey who was that who was that guy and the only way that it was going to go in was if it went through his legs so I suppose the credit that I would give to Lamella then is the only way he was going to be able to possibly kick it through his legs is if he did, if he actually <laughs> went with that motion. And the only place it could possibly go in was there. So I suppose from the perspective that it was completely intentional, like it was a completely intentional act by Lamella to do exactly what he did through the legs into that corner. You know, I suppose, you know, you probably have to turn around and go, well, that was just a sheer moment of brilliance. Yeah, it was. It was an amazing goal, I think. Was, I mean, it was very good. I mean, I like, yeah, so I think yeah. Jamie Redknapp, sorry, guys, Jamie Redknapp at half time said it was one of the greatest goals ever scored in the Premier League. Nah, I disagree. He, 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 disagree. he must not have seen down, uh, a little bit. He, he must not have seen Burkham's <laughs> yeah. goal against Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> disagree. But it was good, but it wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. Yeah, no, it, it was. It was the season, maybe. Probably goal of the season. I mean, I would go. I would. I would even go. Uh, not ever, but yeah. This well, I would say it would be up there. Probably be a contender, but you know, I'd probably say like. How many goals of the season do you actually remember over the you know the number of Premier League years? The, the amount of goals that you remember as truly iconic goals are actually fairly few and far between. They tend to always be the team that wins, you know. Mm. So it's like you remember the Rooney goal against City, yeah. you remember you know stuff like that, and it's usually in these iconic victories as well. Um, I, I I'd go as far to say maybe look, this is biased. I don't think anyone will remember this goal in a few years, really, because they lost, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, just, I don't think it was that. Like, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was like awesome. I don't think. Yeah, yeah I mean, I just, like you know, every now and again, there's a special goal that's scored, and, and then that, that's about it, right? Yeah. The one, the one I always think about is um, the Danny Rose goal um, because they won. Yeah. When Danny Rose scored that volley or half volley against us all those years ago, when he, I think he was making his debut or something like that. It's only because they won people know who Danny Rose is. If that doesn't go in, well, Danny really, Rose doesn't really, have a career really against us. That's a bit harsh. I think. <laughs> off his career, really. yeah. yeah, Rooney and Danny Rose, you know, two people who we've single-handedly helped launch their careers. Yeah, and Rashford. I think Rashford's Rashford, uh, first yeah, Rashford, game was against yeah, us. Rashford, and scored two yeah. goals. Yeah, it was. We're actually quite good at this, aren't we? We're good at uh, <laughs> launching careers of players. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, unfortunately, we're one 0 down, and we're probably fearing the worst. Where we're thinking, God, this is going to be an a repeat of, of the game at the lane. Um, a bit of a snatch and grab from Spurs. Uh, but we... Uh, so we hit the post shortly after that. Um, Cedric hits the post. I thought with was, that uh, one... Uh, it was ESR hit before, right? ESR's hit the ESR post. ESR hit the post first, before, that, before, before yeah, the goal, okay. and then after, yeah. Uh, Cedric, I thought, there's, I thought there's no way he's getting to that ball. He did really well. To, I think it was, Mor- was it Lucas Moura, wasn't Mora, it? Like, yeah. I don't know how he got to that ball, but somehow he got there and he just launched it. So I was... Very like I was quite surprised he got to the ball in the first place, to be honest. But it was yeah, it's just unlucky. Yeah, yeah, and it felt like it was going to be one of those days, even though it was in the first half. But then we scored at the perfect time. We were we were killing him down that left hand side, 
our, our left hand side, mm. Tierney, ESR, um, Doherty looked looked rubbish. To be honest, yeah. like I was saying, um, well, I was saying at half time to you guys, I think um, Jose might haul him off if he did if he had a better right back on the bench. But it was Aurier. Um This is other option, but yeah, yeah, you said wasn't it? It was probably the best half you've seen of Smith Rowe, wasn't it? I think it was you that said it. I think so, mate. And I think and I said that for a number of reasons because and I have to give Arteta credit for this as well because I think it was the way that he used ESR. And ESR's confidence in doing the things that he was clearly told to do. Because, what? firstly, ESR generally has been on the right or in the centre. And this time he was on the left. Right? So that in itself was, you know, was interesting. But the other interesting thing was how he was trying to pull Hoiberg out of different positions. So mm. he was, he was, it wasn't just the left-hand side, you know, with regards to Doherty that were a mess. Like, Hoiberg was all over the place because ESR was was kind of pulling him into positions that he didn't want to be. And all of a sudden, Tottenham were getting all kinds of exposed down the left-central side as well, right? So it was just a really interesting and really um, articulate way of understanding the tactical uh, like job that he had to do, I think, you know, and the changes of pace that he was doing on that left-hand side, you know, he, uh, that's really for me, his probably his best quality. There's this change of pace that he has that I've not seen from an Arsenal player in a long time. It just comes out of nowhere. Mm. Like you don't expect it. it. Just And then all of a sudden he's in a really dangerous area and he's just very clever. Uh, yeah. So absolutely all kinds of problems. And I just thought it was such a mature such a mature display from him. Yeah. And the thing is, he doesn't, when he gets to that position, he always picks out the right pass as well. He's always like, I think both times he, when he did that move, you just explained, he got, or one time he went to Laka, other, other time Laka let it go between his legs. But his end product is there. It's not, a lot of players will get to that position and then just whack it in and hope for the best. But it looks like even before he does the cross, he's always, he knows where his man is before he passes the ball. So he's very, very intelligent as well. He know, He's sort of, one step ahead. Yeah, I, I really like the way we've set up that behind the striker three. We've, we've got Saka, Erdegaard and ESR. You know, you've got three very gifted like ball playing like players who can play a pass, but also run with the ball and interchange quite a lot. And, you know, it's a shame Oba wasn't playing because I think those three really like bring out the best in a striker that, you know, can get in the box and take those chances. Yeah. And Laka isn't really the kind of box dominating striker. So yeah, it's just it's just really nice when it, you see them that the way they were passing it, the way they were moving, they're all interchanging. Um it's clear that it was a plan that had been worked on and it was a plan that was working as well. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of yeah. people who were surprised, you know, at Gareth Bale in the first half. Um you know given he's a fullback initially, <laughs> you know, in his career. Surely he has to have some appreciation of the difficulty that Doherty was facing. Surely he could have helped him out more. It, it just seemed inexplicable that we were just absolutely marauding that side and nothing was done by him or, you know, or, yeah, or, mate, or this is a guy that This is a guy, I mean, I'm not that surprised, but this is a guy that is clearly not that bothered about football anymore. Whatever you want to <laughs> yeah. say about he's back in the team and he's scoring goals. But I mean, look at the teams he's scoring goals against and, you know, in the Europa League against, you know, random teams that um, they should be putting loads of goals past. And yeah, fine. He's, he's in a bit of form, but I mean... You can just tell he can't be asked, basically. <laughs> so you think it's that? You uh, so think I'm not, that he can't be bothered? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's, he's not fast. He's going back. To, he's, he's on loan, right? He's going back to Madrid when pick up his paycheck or whatever's going to happen in the summer. And 
Yeah, he's on something ridiculous, like five hundred k a week or something like that, right? Yeah, who's paying for Is it? Real Madrid are paying for most of it, aren't they? I think Spurs are paying it. Does it laugh as well? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, you're right. I think you know, even at full time, he he didn't even look that upset that Spurs had lost. Like he was walk, he was walking off smiling. Um, I think he's a player which I'm very very surprised Mourinho actually played him today and started him. Yeah, I was. I was convinced um, that he would be on the bench because of this exact thing where. Our left side is where like Tierney gets up the pitch, um, and whoever was going to play on that side, whether it was ESR, whether it was Pepe, or whether it was William, and if Oba was going to be out there as well, that was where the danger was. That was always where we were going to score from. <clears throat> and I thought Bale would have been a much better asset to bring off the bench because having lost Son, um, they kind of had to keep him on for as long as possible. And then the minute they took him off, they didn't really have anyone else to bring on. So, I yeah, I was very surprised. I think Mourinho almost believed believed the hype a bit too much, if anything. And um, you know, I think he probably regrets that decision. Good. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Erdegaard goal, yeah. So yeah, as you said, we were strong down that left hand side. ESR um, Tierney causing all sorts of problems, and it was Tierney with that that burst of pace actually. Um, down the left, it's Dotty beats, I believe. Um, pulls back a really good ball. Um, Erdegaard gets lucky, doesn't really hit it that well, that cleanly deflection. It goes past Larice, and perfect time to score, as we said, you know, to go in at half time 1 1. Yeah. Anything else on the goal? Well, I think I would say is a feature of our play now, which is getting better and better every game I watch, is how many people we get in the box. Mm-hmm. And that cutback again, there were plenty of players in the box. And they all wanted it. They're all in different areas, different zones. So the ball could end up in a number of different places and, and we've still got a chance. And we deserve that luck, right? That bit of deflection. We deserve that at that point. Um, and you've got to hit, you know, what was still surprising when you look at the match stats is actually, you know, I think we, we had twice as many shots as they did. I think we had 13, they had six, but we both only had three shots on target each. And so something maybe we need to get better at is just hitting the target because at the end of the day, Anything can happen. And I think with Odegaard, all he did there was gone, I'm just going to try and hit the target. It's deflected, it's gone in, you know? Mm. That's why I was... He arrived just at the right um, time as well, didn't he? Sorry, no, I was going to say, that's why um, I was frustrated at half-time, despite us playing really well, that we had 10 shots on goal first half and only that goal was the shot on target. So although we are creating chances, we do need to become more clinical. And I know that Lacazette was guilty of a couple there. I know we hit the post twice as well. Even if you include those post ones, still three out of ten, it's still not a good conversion ratio into hitting the target. Um, and yeah, like Loris has been a bit suspect recently as well. So it's it's always such a good idea to just hit the target, sort of like I said, just yeah, create the best chances. Really, mm. I think the other thing which is quite nice is that yeah, the last two games we've had goals from midfield, which is something we've lacked for years. Like. Since Ramsey left, really, we haven't had goal scorers coming from the middle of the park. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not expecting on any... Mate, well, part, 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 part is uh, yeah. trying, mate. He's trying every game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is trying so hard. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, it's just nice uh, to have I, If I was Partey, I'll just put Partey with El Nenny for a few... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Just to teach him how to shoot. <laughs> how funny would that be in training this week? So, Thomas, I've got a really good idea. I've got a great mentor yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be so funny. 
But it is true, right? Like, if El Nenny has been working on his shooting with Steve Round, as, you know, even the, one of the commentators mentioned it today as well, if that's the case, listen, Partey needs to get on that because clearly he's someone who wants to shoot. Yeah. Um, and he gets into good positions to shoot, yeah. you know? Yeah, so he drives forward really well. He, he sets the chance up for himself, doesn't he? So if he can, yeah, learn that element a bit more from El Nenny, he'll be, mate, he'll be perfect. Yeah. Someone on Twitter sure. said something about, like, it just looks like it's like he's picking the wrong golf club every time. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's he's basically... not even close to the golf. Like, like, yeah, exactly. He's, like, yeah. he's hitting the post. He's getting nowhere near with these shots. <laughs> but yeah, no. I'll One's going to go in top bin soon, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. um, so we go. In... That's what happened, yeah? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we go in. Sorry. Yeah, go on. All right, so I was just going to say, so we're going halftime 1-1. Um, halftime sub, so Saka had to come off. I felt or thought it was definitely an injury. I thought there's absolutely no way he's coming off for any tactical reasons. Um, Reguilón was on a yellow card as well. So like we said, Pepe's going to cause Reguilón all sorts of problems in a, diff- in a slightly different way. But you don't take off your best player in a North London derby um, unless you're sort of 5-0 up at halftime. So... Uh, must be some sort of injury. Hopefully, nothing serious. Maybe just a precaution. Um, but Pepe came on and made a made a big difference. Had a really big impact on the game. Um, did what he likes to do, taking players on. He was getting to the byline, um, and obviously, uh, well, he got the assist for the penalty. Um, really, really good pass, wasn't it? Um, I was really, really impressed with that pass. Fizzes it into Lacazette, but um, wait, waits it perfectly. But I was. Yeah, really disappointed with what Lacazette did. Like, just completely fluffed the shot. And he was so lucky that Sanchez decided to be an idiot and come in and just take him out pretty much. I mean, I was speaking to a couple of mates about the penalty and a few of them said, no, there's no way it's a penalty. He's hit the shot, ball's gone, and then Sanchez has come in and... Doesn't matter. ...taking him out or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's not what the rule is. That's not what the rule is. Yeah. Um, And if that's outside the box, it's given, you know, anywhere. Listen to the post-match game as well. Uh, I think, to be fair, Lacazette said... It was quite a lucky decision as well. Mm. Even on Sky, because after the game, they said that as Freddie, well. Freddie Lundberg, all of them were saying it's lucky. I think it's more because he swung and missed. And it's, I think he ended up kicking. Although it was completely reckless by Sanchez. Sanchez didn't help matters for himself. Any, by any. I think it's the way Sanchez comes in and just sort of, is, yeah, reckless. I think, I think the, the right idea word. was Lacazette kicked into Sanchez. And well, I think, I think. I, probably, yeah, I, d- I mean, you, I don't know. I think you're right in that you guys are right in the sense that like, the pundits, a lot of these pundits did seem to indicate it was quite lucky. The bit that I don't understand is when when Sanchez starts going for that tackle, Lacazette hasn't shot yet. Okay, so Sanchez has got no idea if he's going to hit the target. He's got no idea. But whatever the case, he's going to smash into Lacazette. He's going to smash into him. It's completely reckless. And that's what the decision was given for, right? Yeah. It was completely reckless. He's just come through in midair and he's just nailed him. And so once he, given he's taken off before Lacazette's actually had the shot, it's, it, it doesn't matter that Lacazette sliced it and it, you know, it went no, I don't miles wide. about slicing. I think the follow-through, Lacazette then hits, I don't know, Lacazette then okay. hits Sanchez rather than Sanchez. It's, it's clumsy though from, from yeah, Lacazette. Lacazette said it was a lucky decision as well. So I think, he, I think mate, he's probably just embarrassed that he... It's such a terrible <laughs> shot, and he just got lucky to get a pen out out of yeah. what was a relatively not easy chance, but a good enough chance. He should at least well, I me mean, as an awful. Shot. I think he, yeah. he he sliced one in the first half as well, didn't he? So like, like I was saying, I just don't. Oh yeah, sliced one. He let Sorry. one through his legs as well, or he let one past him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. that was intentional though, right? In this but day and age, why? where <laughs> everything is given as a penalty, like even the most minor, like micro touches, mm-hmm. are given as penalties. 
that Sanchez tackle is 100 yeah. percent a penalty to me yeah. like it might be lucky the contact might have been engineered whatever but in this day and age yeah like i don't even think it's doubtful yeah. to be it's fair quite we've, we've given away softer penalties than that so i'll mm. i think yeah and we've been unlucky just in the, down the other end right we've not been getting quite a few and we we always say like between the four of us we always say why are they not like the players yeah. why are they not appealing for this why are they not making a bigger deal of it why are they not going mad at the ref so maybe we just got you know a bit of luck mm. that came our way in some you know possibly yeah. again I think I think it was a nailed on penalty. Um, it's quite funny though, but it's just that that yeah. it's just funny that you know in Jose Mourinho's interview and you know he was so it, it's funny it's really funny what he said because he was basically just like well it's definitely not a penalty it's obviously not a penalty and the only people that I could understand if they thought it was a penalty <laughs> yeah. are are say Arsenal season ticket holders. You know, if they're yeah. Arsenal season ticket holders, he yeah, did. Yeah, he, goes, yeah. he goes, if they're Arsenal season ticket watching holders. Us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check out subscribers. But not in a bad way. He was no. not in a bad way. He was like, Arsenal season ticket holders, they're obviously passionate, so they can <laughs> roast into glasses and whatnot. He goes, everyone else, <laughs> they can't say anything else. It was the way he did it, because he even pointed to the seats. He was sitting on the pitch. Those four. Oh, my God. I missed yeah. it. I wish I'd seen that. That's hilarious. <laughs> but like, I w- what I really wish is, a co- is the if the interviewer just said to him, yeah, but surely you as Tottenham manager, surely that's a reason for you to be biased. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, no one's going to uh, question him, though, are they? Yeah, uh, yeah go I on. Think, I think with my, uh, with you're talking about Pepe's past, but I think more importantly, the way he, it, was, it was, it was a mistake that he created, wasn't it? it was I think it was Lloris kicking the ball out, and then it was his interception that he then turned into the pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like good sort of awareness <laughs> by Pepe. So is that you? Is that you praising him? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> credit where credit's due. Yeah. You don't even. You don't. <laughs> Relax. It was elite. It was an elite pass. Uh, sorry. It was an elite pass. Yeah, it really was. was. Really good pass. He was back. I think it was facing the back as well. So he turned, put the ball, and then straight away, without thinking, he just played the ball. So it's, mm. um, yeah. yeah I thought Pepe was good all game since he came off second half. I mean, he's not, he's not Saka, but he he made some really good runs. He mm. you know played in plays. He got played in a few times and was efficient with the ball. So yeah, if he, if he carries that on, yeah, it certainly looks like at least over the last month or two, he certainly turned a bit of a corner. Yeah. It's also yeah. an area of his game that you don't expect because I think when we expect Pepe to do really great things, they usually involve dribbling and uh, shooting. But, you know, that was a eye of the needle type. So much vision needs to be involved in even spotting that, let alone executing it. And then when you execute it to absolute perfection, um, that's not something, you know, that's an Ozil style pass or, you know, in this new era, that's more of a Odegaard Thing. But, we, but we don't expect that from Pepe, right? That's a feature of his game that we don't expect. Mm. Yes, so um, we come... Uh, yeah, sorry. So I was going to say, so uh, the last sort of 15 minutes or so, we're kind of, well, a bit mental. And from the point that Lamella gets sent off for his second yellow, um, we seem to struggle a bit, didn't we? Or Spurs seem to turn it on, I guess you could say, a uh, combination of the two. Um, so even though they had, they were down a man, they dominated possession, um, came back into the game. Uh, they scored a goal that was given offside rightfully, but, um, yeah, I've thought that, I thought when that one went in, that was Kane's standard North London Derby goal that he always gets. But, um, and then the last couple of minutes, I think it was, it was literally right before the 90th minute. So they, um, had the free kick, sorry, from party gives that free kick away, I think just on the edge of the box. And Kane 
hits that free kick. Low goes round the wall, hits the post, comes back out. I think it's Sissoko, is it? Who then mm. kind of hits a uh, Sad- react. Sanchez, probably, was it? Yeah. Was it Sanchez? Sorry, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure who it was. It was Sanchez. Um, hits the shot, and Gabriel sort of in the right place is just able to get his head in front of it and blocks it. Um, it was quite poor from Leno in terms of his positioning and his footwork, I thought. Um, he does that thing that keepers seem to do sometimes when they can't see the ball um, from behind the wall, where he takes a step the wrong way just as the take of the free kicks about to take it um sort of trying to second guess where it's going to go and leaves himself completely exposed on the other side and obviously really really lucky that it's not a couple of inches inside the post and then we go 2-2 with probably spurs on top and a really really nervy last few minutes yeah we were really 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 bad for those last 15 minutes um and i'm glad both lacazette and arteta both pointed it out in their post-match interviews, it was one of the first things they said Absolutely. was that our game management for those last 15 minutes were just terrible. Like, I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure if we were just too, like, we didn't have the guts to just, we were worried they were going to come back into it or if Spurs really, yeah, it didn't, I don't think Spurs really went for it in any, you know, obviously they were chasing the game and they... We invited the pressure on, didn't we? It just seems that we let them back on onto us. We dropped deeper and deeper. And we couldn't get it out. I thought Partey was pretty awful for the second half altogether, especially those last 15 minutes. Gave the ball away a lot. Jacka started jumping in and leaping into tackles where he didn't need to. We were doing our best to help them score, put it that way. Well, maybe I think psychology of always when you lose 10, when you go down to 10 men, it's for both teams, it's, it changes the psychology of the game completely. Um, from Spurs' point of view, um, they probably when they were, when it was two one with eleven v eleven, they probably thought you know we can still keep you know don't take the um, breaks off yet. We can still you know we can get back into this game. Still defend, still what whatever. I think when they went down to t- sort of ten men, they probably thought okay now we've got absolutely nothing to lose. Now we're already down to ten men. We have to absolutely throw everything at Arsenal. Um, and we just yeah at the pressure you could see the pressure was getting to the players big time. Um, even yeah, like you said, Aaron, in the post-match interview, they I think they asked Arteta, was it is it a sign of good things that you guys held out, or was it more just luck? And he goes, nah, it was pure luck. Like it wasn't even that we managed it well. Like he he was first to admit that we were terrible. Um, but I think that's again, that's just we're on a we're on a journey here, right? I think that's probably the next thing. This game management is you know we've seen so much improvements in other areas. It's just one of our weaknesses, which yeah, we'll have to sort of improve on going forward. Spurs were really bad though, weren't they? Just for not the first 75 minutes or so, they were they were really disappointing. I know that mm. it's the Jose way um, and it was successful for them when we played them uh, earlier in the season, but they offered so little. They offered so little. Um, and I was quite surprised at that, to be honest. And I guess that last 10 or 15 minutes, 10 minutes probably, that spell was always going to come at some point in the game. It's almost worth analysing the game from the point of the sending off, you know, before the sending off and after sending off. It was just such a contrast, right? From my, I'd honestly go as far as saying that if you look at the prior to the sending off, uh, I would say that is the best tactical performance that Arteta has 
has done at Arsenal thus far. Um, from the perspective, I know we gave some very good tactical performances last season when we were beating teams that we probably had no right to beat in our stage of evolution. But what I was amazed with today is what he was able to give us a system where we attacked with so much potency and domination. We had so much of the ball. We had so many numbers going forward. And we were never, ever exposed on the counter. They never. We were getting players back in the exact positions they needed to be to stop that counter. And so it was just magnificent from a tactical perspective. So I felt if there's anyone that can lose this, it's the players, right? Like the, It was just world-class in how he, he prepared us, I thought. And then the sending off. My goodness. It was just everything, everything was out the window. There was not one thing we did well when they went down to 10 men. And I think Nero made the point, right? It's like that can stop the fluency or whatever it is, both in the team that's obviously gone down to 10 men, but also the team that's facing the 10 men. And if there's ever a game in the history of Arsenal Football Club that you need to look at for evidence of how tactically it can really, really mess you up, that is this one. Because we were a shambles. How do, do you think you... it was tactical or was it mental? No, I was just going to say, how do you... It was you a bit of both because yeah. I think from a tactical perspective, clearly they tried a few different things because they had to. And there wasn't anything systemically that we did to combat that. Mm-hmm. So it didn't look like we shifted anything or did anything or, 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 you know, were able to, I guess, in our minds go, okay, cool. We understand what we have to do right now. And then I think there was definitely the mental bit that I agree where, you know, you made the point of Partey not playing well, but also Xhaka, the stuff that Xhaka was doing was the Xhaka of old when, you know, we've been a mess defensively as a structure, we've been a mess. And so that used to mean Jacka did things like that. And it was all over again. All the bad habits were just were just there again. And and everyone was rubbish, I felt. There wasn't anyone in that period that I thought was like, right, I'm gonna do this. Mm. Um, you know, maybe David Louise actually, he was okay. But did you did you guys notice the I think I mentioned this in our in our chat. Um when ESR or the point that ESR comes off, obviously I think the sending off made a made a big difference as well. But I noticed a um, a loss of control of the game when ESR comes off, which is no coincidence. Um, and I think that shows how important he is to kind of what we're doing at the moment and the way we're playing. Um, and the, and yeah, the control that he seems to be having on games at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think ESR is the player that makes it all come together. We've seen it before. We've got a little bit of redundancy now that we've got Erdegaard on the pitch as well but you know we started the game with uh, Erdegaard, Saka and ESR and we finished with just Erdegaard on the pitch thing I don't think Erdegaard came off at all but mm. you know they you lose two really good ball playing players and I know like William is supposed to be this ball playing player but I don't think he's anywhere near as good as ESR and you know Pepe is great but he's not the type of player to like help you build up possession so naturally, some of that will will cost us. But I, I think Arteta said something really interesting on a quote in his press conference was that he was like, when you are winning and you have 10 men, you don't play the game in your half. You play the game in your opposition's half. And you let you play you know, 50, 60 passes. Mm. You don't let them play 50, 60 passes. Um, so clearly something went very wrong there. I, I honestly think they were just terrified of losing the game because the mentality shift became... You know, went from, you know, this is a game we've done really well to win to when it, after 75 minutes, it became, this is a game we can't lose. 
well, we can't we can't even draw um and they were just so afraid and i'm so glad we did we managed to get through it because i think the mental damage it would have done mm. if spurs had scored i i think it potentially could have just ended our season mm. mentally anyway yeah what would this how would how could arteta address this issue what is the best way of addressing this issue because obviously it's not something you can do on the training pitch if it's a mentality thing how does he get the players think you know keep tell them to stay calm in this situation um obviously like today yeah it wasn't the most you know it wasn't the best 15 minutes but you know can he use that and say you know we still got through it we didn't concede you guys are better than you think you are is it you know self-confidence thing that they thought they want to throw it away like how do you what would you do if you are teta so I was going to say buy new players. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but like but think, all all eleven, like it was it wasn't just three or four, right? At that stage, all eleven went mentality just dropped, yeah. isn't it? It's not not. A I, think, I think it's what what Aaron and said really. Um, it, the fact that we got through it, um, albeit maybe by the skid of our teeth with that last minute Harry Kane um, hitting the post and blocking one off the line, the fact that we got through, it, I think that is what is going to help build that strength, that mental strength and build a, yeah, a stronger mentality. Um, I don't know how you, how you necessarily train that, but I think they'll come out of this game. Yeah. A lot more stronger. I think they'll come out feeling like they can be resilient when kind of backs against the wall against a pretty decent team going forward. And they were able to hold out. Um, I think our main, the thing that we're more guilty of, and we've seen it in the last few games is, you know, causing our own problems and making our own mistakes. Um, we haven't really been in the position where we've been holding on to two one leads that much this season. So I think it's just something that will build, hope, hopefully builds as we are go, you know, go through our progression as a team under Arteta and hopefully are leading games more often where we have to hold on to leads, you know, as opposed to what we've had for the you know, the season so far. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's just something that you build, build as a team um, that you start to try, you know, in terms of the players, they'll start to trust each other a bit more um, every time they, they kind of go through this sort of experience. Mm. Well, I think there are like, uh, I think. Sorry. Uh, what, sorry, Nero. What I was saying is I think that it kind of goes a little bit back to what Aaron was saying in that Arteta, obviously was horrified at this <laughs> like you could tell from his comments <laughs> that he was horrified do you know what i mean like he really was was not happy so i reckon he's gonna be really thinking about how we can avoid a situation like this again and what i hope it's the case of is it's as simple as almost just going through the tape with the players and just saying listen we are going to go over this period I don't know how many times you want to go over it, but we're going to go over it and we're going to look at every single thing that we did wrong and why it was a stupid thing to do, right? I, I, I hope so. And I sort of trust him to that point. I think that he will, because I think he would be saying to them, this is unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the subs had an effect? Because, you know, if you're the team and you see El Nenny coming on, I think psychologically that means that we're going to shift to hold this game. And you've got Partey, you've got Xhaka, you've got Alneni. I wasn't sure where Alneni was playing. I think Mai's, <laughs> you also asked this question. Because it, it, it came like, on for Lacazette, right? Yeah, but that yeah, was the right move, though, right? That was the right move. Maybe a bit earlier. You were going to... Should you have not... You know, 10 men, I know it's against Spurs. And yeah, is Arteta guilty of perhaps, you know, almost being a bit too cautious here? And 
yeah, we had Aubameyang on the bench. Could we have brought him on and just tried to get that third goal against 10 men? You know, I think if you see Aubameyang come on with 75 minutes, up to 75 minutes, I think I don't think Spurs go go for it like well, they if, did. Mate, if we had drawn that game and yeah. he had brought no, like, and he didn't. This I think mm, when this true. when this happened, I thought, why not happen earlier? Like, you bring on a you know holding midfielder in for a striker when you're back against the wall, right? You wouldn't if it brought on a yeah. and then we conceded. We would have we would have been like, what's what's he um, doing? The thing is, we don't know what his plan with Aubameyang was in the sense, yeah, maybe if we were losing and he was almost forced to bring him on, maybe he would have, but maybe he made the decision before the game, even though he started on the bench, he was just never going to bring him on for for whatever that disciplinary kind of issue was. Mm. Uh, I get you. Yeah. I'm with Nero. I I am with Nero though. Like, because I don't, that, in that situation, bringing in a defensive midfielder, it just seems like a very obvious thing to do, Right. In the sense that if you're Tottenham and you know you need to score, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you, if the score stays yeah. as it is, you lose the game. Yeah. So, so Oba coming on, you don't care if he comes on. Like, why, why does that matter? Like, but if you're bringing in a defensive midfielder on in place for a striker, you know, as Tottenham, you know, okay, there's going to be less space in the central midfield. That's annoying, right? You know, you, you know that. Um, but, but I think the point was they, I don't know how, but they had more space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's because we played. We brought Elneny on, and we, I don't think we gave him a position. If we did, he would. He was just running. I think honestly, Mate, he would just go another wonder god, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I, t- I t- told him to come on and just told him to run. Mate, why run. bring on? He yeah, ran. Back to your point, Aaron. Why <laughs> bring on Aubameyang when you got Elneny, mate, with a shot like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, it was it was weird. Like, but we got through it. Thank God we did. But Raj, sorry, Massive touching win. on your point, sorry, quickly, um, about the, you think Arteta's going to have that 15 minutes and replay the game and stuff. But it's like, obviously, it's poor decision-making, right, that led to all those errors. But my back to the psychology and the mental aspect, it's decision-making in a normal situation is one thing which you can train, but then decision-making when you're under pressure is a whole different ball game, isn't it? And that's the, that's the barriers he needs to sort of try and break down to say, because clearly when we're playing a normal game, it's brilliant to watch. Like most players are now making good decisions and it's attractive football and it's enjoyable. Um, but obviously when the pressure hits, it's just something clicks in their heads and then they start, you know, faffing around, making mistakes. And like, as I noticed with Leno today, like a few times today, more than he's done before, he started hoofing the ball out. Mm-hmm. So maybe again, that is probably one of those things which I don't know if this happened, but it could be like, you no, know, if we're under pressure, just hoof rather than because clearly I don't trust enough to pass it out under pressure. Just well, maybe, maybe he didn't trust himself, or maybe there was a bit of doubt yeah. in there from the last couple of games and what's happened. Yeah, but it's back with the me- dealing with pressure, we need to be dealing with that better, which is not something you can teach. But there's something, there's a cricket kind of similarity which you can make here, Nero, right, isn't it? Because whenever they talk about batsmen who, for example, are under immense pressure and they're not necessarily playing well, they always say, trust the process and trust the training and trust the the things that you've been working on and go back to those things. And I wonder if one of the things Arteta needs to say to the players in that is that you know what to do. We've been training all this time. We're drilled. We understand our roles. I understand that you're afraid to lose, but have faith in that process. Like have faith in how we've prepared and keep doing the things that we are prepared to do. Don't suddenly lose faith in those things. And I I wonder if that's how he might approach it. 
But then do you think, like, I know Mike joked about buying a, buying a new players, but do you reckon buying, maybe we do need to buy a, because like last 15 minutes, there's no leader on the pitch. Like there was no leadership at all. And that's why everything just fell apart. Maybe do we need to start buying players with that leadership quality that could, you know, rally up the players and be like, guys, calm down. Let's, you know, stick to, like you said, as you're saying, stick to what we know, stick to, maybe that's what we need, like a proper leader on the pitch. That. Well, that's what like Jacka and Bate is supposed to be doing, right? Like yeah. they're the experienced professionals, but Jacka was jumping into tackles and yeah, yeah. Partey was just kicking it out for a corner. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that's where you want Partey to just be in there and just be like, I'm going to shut this game down. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully this, you know, it was a one-off and actually, because this is exactly the situation where you want a 50 million central midfielder who's yeah. played for Atletico Madrid. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't come across to me as the kind of player that's going to calm things down and do all of that. Like, he, he seems very much... Partey, but, like, yeah. Yeah. Partey, <laughs> I agree. Exactly. I agree. So have a, he's, he's, I mean, I, I think he's a quality player and you can tell, you can see, as soon as he came into the team, you could see his qualities, right? But... Even today, and he did it, um, it might have been the Olympiakos game, I can't remember, but he's obviously capable. He's so comfortable on the ball in the middle of the park and he comes under pressure and he comes out with the ball. But then even today, he did it where he did, it was an example where he took took it past one of the Spurs central midfield players and he was kind of, he had an option, a couple of options of passes, but then he tried to take it around someone else and they dispossessed him. And he's always taking that risk and sometimes it pays off. Um, like, was it? Burn, I can't remember which uh, Burnley when he does the Burnley, one two with Jacker, yeah, yeah Burnley, right? Um, but sometimes it doesn't, and he doesn't seem like the player that's going to um, give us that assurance um, that we that we need, uh, especially in situations like the last ten minutes today. Even Aubameyang, obviously, he's a captain, but as you're saying, he's not, it doesn't seem like he's like a jokey kind of player. He's not, you he can't, he's not like the Vieira, right? That kind of player that will be like getting pissed off with the player shouting and them telling them to fix up, like. There's, there's, there's not really anyone in our team like that, is there? Would you there's say no maybe Tierney? Right? Mm. Yeah, he's Tierney. Yeah. I can imagine him getting, but sorry. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, apart from yeah. Tierney, maybe there's no one else that could actually. I think Leno comes across a little bit like that to me. I think I think Leno does just come across quite assured in in that way. I wonder. I I guess the thing well, is, you need like, someone on the pitch, though, don't you? As in, yeah, outfield to be going around shouting everyone. It's tough because at the moment we're having, you know, we, we've got this young team essentially and there's lots of benefits from having this young team and we know that they're going to potentially be a team that can go on for a long time. And mm. if, if I think about where do we need, and I suppose leaders don't have to be old. It's not necessarily about that, I guess. Um, but I'm trying to think where the obvious places that we need a player like that because I can't see us making a new signing at centre-back. No. You know, I can't see us... You know, left back is sorted and and rightly so for many years. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, right back maybe. I wonder if you know if we if we try and go in for someone who is more of that type of leader. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I can't. You know, I think we can go back and have a much longer conversation about transfers. Obviously, I just I can't see where we would be able to inject perhaps that that type of player that you're referring yeah. to. Central, central, central midfield. Central yeah, midfield. Central midfield. Jacker's replacement. Yeah, or just true, or, true, true, yeah, or true. just a, like a, a better El Nenny, like um, <laughs> someone who, like you know, I know it didn't work out with Torreira for various reasons, but someone like Torreira who you come in, have a tackle, put a tackle in, and just sit, and you know, will add a bit of comfort to that mm-hmm. defense. Um, well, if, if 
Yeah, go on. If we had an Arteta right now, as in as a player Arteta right now, that's what that's what we need, right? Yeah. That kind of player. Yeah, we need a big Arteta, yeah. We need Arteta in midfield. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tell him to get his <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not that nah. obviously, yeah. yeah. Um okay, so I just wanted to quickly uh, just mention as well, because uh, it kind of didn't, well, not surprisingly considering who it was, it didn't really get mentioned very much or um, discussed very much. But Harry Kane, his, I can't even call it a challenge really, on Gabriel. Uh, don't know if you guys remember this. I think they replayed it once. Again, they didn't make much of it because it was Kane. I can't begin to think what the reaction would have been if it had been a Xhaka for us doing that. But I've just seen a replay of it again on Twitter and it's just unbelievable. Like he almost takes his head off. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating. The way he goes in, his elbow's up. It's not up, up, but it's up in the sense he's he's sticking it out, clearly trying to trying to just take Gabriel out. And again, it's one of those where you want the Arsenal players without sounding like, I want us to be like how United used to be where under Fergie, where they obviously used to put loads of pressure under the, under ref. <clears throat> in a sportsman-like way, but at the same time, there should be players. And this probably comes back to lack of leadership and lack of players like, you know, grabbing other players by the scruff of the neck sort of thing. And you want players to go up to the ref and put a bit of pressure on him to say like, what the hell was that? Because obviously VAR would have seen it as well. Um, but it was ridiculous. I've, I've just seen it again. And I've, like I said, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable that he, nothing happened. Like, I don't think he got booked, right? That nothing happened. Nothing happened. It stinks of privilege. He's doing, he, you know, it's easy as an Arsenal fan to just turn around and go, Harry Kane's dirty and all this kind of stuff. It's easy to jump on that bandwagon. But the the overwhelming evidence is it's not necessarily a case that is he dirty or not. I think it's just the things that he does, he gets away with. Hmm. And and some strikers do do similar things, but they get punished. Fine, they might get it off it every now and again, but it's pervasive with him. It's a pattern. He gets away with this stuff all the time. Mm. And I know that there's been a history of, you know, when you're, if you're England's best player, England's captain or whatever, like, you know, let's go back to Gary Lineker. There was always that joke about how Gary Lineker would need to shoot someone on the pitch to get sent off, right? There was like a whole, whole joke about that. But he is a bit of a darling in that way. And it's really annoying because you're right, Mike. It's like, that was dirty. It, it kind of typified how, how Tottenham were playing at that time. Yeah, they, everything they were doing just seemed to stink of hatchet man kind of, you know, it was just really, really physical over the top. Um, but yeah, he, he he totally got away with that one. That, Like you say, that was really, really out of order. Yeah, Spurs have, Spurs have and again, Raj, I know you said it's very easy to do this bandwagon, but I'm jumping on this bandwagon fully. <laughs> I think Spurs are actually a very, very dirty team. Um, it was worse under Pochettino, where I think they would go out and... If they couldn't win, they would systematically foul and dive. I actually think under Jose they do it less, but a lot of that is still there. With Son, Son does it, Deli Ali does oh. it, um, where they they get away with so much. And then Kane is like the epitome, like he epitomizes this. Mm. Like I will foul and I will cheat, I will dive, I will like do anything I can. And nine times out of ten, he doesn't even get a booking. Mm. Um, nine times out of ten, doesn't get a foul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But is that something? I completely agree with everything you guys have said there. But is that something? Not not all of it, obviously. But is that something we need to build into our game a little bit more? You know, and like you know, oh yeah, absolutely. Man, Pep, Man City's like they're so smart when they foul, like off the ball fouls. They you know break up play. They're really good at doing that. I think we we're too clean sometimes, which goes against us. And I think we do need to learn to be a bit more dirtier and a bit more more sort of smarter when we're doing our fouls. 
Not even that, just appeal to the ref. Like, there are so mm. many times. We must be the easiest team to ref because, like, refs just get no abuse from any of our players. We accept. Mm. It's like we're playing rugby or something like that where you no know, one they can just listen to the referee. And, like, part of me is like, yeah, that's great. Like, we should play the game the right way. But there are so many times where I'm like, Look, that was a foul. Go and say something to the referee because if you don't say anything, they're just going to let put the, the pressure on the ref because then yeah, at least you might yeah. get the next one or the next one after that and we just don't yeah. do it it's really frustrating isn't it yeah. um all right guys so well let's not take away from what was a fantastic performance from us yeah. um you think we lost <laughs> but, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys let's have a look at the league table after that win um so we now are on four, now on 41 points we are four points behind spurs 10 games to go and we've got west ham away next it's a very misleading table still, I think. It's going to be really difficult. I was, I was looking at this before the segment, and it's one of these things where it feels really good. Obviously, we want to say, and obviously it's a good thing. But if Liverpool win their next game, which we assume that they do, yeah, then I think they go seventh with 46 points. So we're on 40, 41 points uh, at the moment, right? They'll go higher, I think. We're two points behind them with, yeah. Yeah, then we'll go, yeah, they'll go, they'll go six. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Six. So then, if we beat West Ham, mm. okay, then I think we go to forty-four points, and then depending on what happens between Villa and Spurs next week, that might be enough to move us to ninth. Okay, and then if we beat Liverpool, if we beat Liverpool, <laughs> then we'll go to eighth. But it might it might be sixth or seventh, depending on what the other teams do. But they've all got winnable games. But you're making so, a massive assumption that we're going to string together two wins. Oh, no, this is my point. This is, this is my point. We're, we're, we're definitely losing the next game. We can't win two games in a row. No, this is exactly my point, though. This is what, what I'm, I'm sort of saying. Is we that... might be Liverpool because we'll lose to West Ham. Then we might be Liverpool. That's how it works. Yeah. My point is, even if we win, even if we win, even if we beat West Ham and we beat Liverpool, it, the best case scenario, if other teams all lose their other games, is we go sixth or seventh in a best case scenario. But even if we win those two games, we may only go eighth. That's what I'm saying. And that's, that's so if we... pessimistic. We just we just beat Spurs. <laughs> no, I, yeah, but we're talking about the league table. I think the question is not. Yeah, about no, I, I wasn't. So I, I wasn't saying, saying oh, we're going to be second in a few weeks or whatever. But I was just, you know, I'm saying this is where we've we've caught up with um, caught up on Spurs by another three points. Wait, to be fair, that's all I care. And about. I think I was going to come up on Spurs, <laughs> yeah. mate. That's that's all. It, right. it would be nice after the last yeah. few years. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's so congested and so tight. It's it's very hard to see what's going to happen. We've got we've got a bit of a cushion of, on uh, Palace now in eleventh, which is like, uh, four <laughs> yeah, points yeah. game in hand. So maybe that tenth place. Is I think the top out. ten is now the yeah ten top half and bottom half is quite clear now. So I think we've oh, we made it, we made it, guys, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going down. Yeah. Um, no, I think the annoying thing is Chelsea have like with Tuchel have obviously found form and have like learned how to defend and they're putting together results and. There's a bit of a gap. Like there's what three points. Although West Ham have got a game in hand. If we if we if fourth, we yeah. win our game in hand, so I'm just going to say we're. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to catch them. We're not. We're eight points behind Chelsea. Obviously, it's so late in the season. Like I said, we're not yeah. going to catch them. But the gap isn't huge to Chelsea. Consider and I and I always Chelsea are on form. That's the thing. Whereas everyone else is being inconsistent. Chelsea are. No, that's what I'm saying. So they've been in, they've been on form for since Tuchel came. It's been yep. like, what a couple of months or however long it is. But yeah. Yeah. We're not. They're not massively in front of us obviously yeah they didn't have a great start to the season hence why Lampard got yeah. sacked but um I think yeah I think it's positive really guys like <laughs> not just that we won today but I think you know yeah we've been 
generally results have just been getting better. Performances have been getting better. We've started scoring goals. I think there's quite a lot to look forward to for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm certainly looking up and no no longer looking at the teams yeah. below us. Um, mm. I think fifth is realistically as high as we can really like, get. Yeah. Um, I think Chelsea are probably a bit too far mm. ahead and on in too good on too good of a run, and they didn't really look like slowing down. But mm. you know, West Ham, Everton, Tottenham, Liverpool, Villa. Yeah, yeah Villa. We've we've pulled up Villa yeah. pretty much, and their last three is draw, draw, lose. So I think Villa. I don't think I'm not afraid of Villa. And Villa have got Spurs mm. next. Yeah, we should be actually. That'll be a good game. Hopefully, they draw. Yeah, yeah draw will be good. Or Villa win. Yeah. <laughs> um, Liverpool. Yeah, you can't. You don't know what to predict Liverpool, but they seem to be going the wrong way as well. I, I completely agree with Aaron. I think. I think fifth is the best we can hope for. Um, so we're not finishing fourth anymore, anyway. <laughs> 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 He wants to say, um, <laughs> "Let a man dream." Is this Chelsea? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think a big look. A big positive. A big positive for me is if we look at if we look at Leicester. Um, if we look at the Benfica game that was you know before that, like, and we look at today. Recently, basically, what I'm saying is we've been in losing positions and turned them around a few times recently, that, and that's really cool. Right, and these aren't easy teams. Leicester aren't okay. Leicester are going through a bad patch, but they're, they're on paper not a bad t- side. Tottenham are not a bad side. Benfica is a big game. Um, you know, Olympiacos. We 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 navigated a difficult period, and you know we went and got the win. I think the character in the team is 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 getting better, and it's and I think the way that we're finding solutions to win games is giving me a lot of encouragement. Yeah. To be fair, Leicester's lost one in five, and that's because of us. So they're 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 pretty good form as well. What surprised me though is between the last three Premiership results, I thought we would struggle against Leicester and struggle against Spurs because we played away in Greece both like a few days before, and I thought yeah Burnley should be the good one because we had a week rest in between the Leicester game to Burnley. So is this really like really inconsistent? Like after travelling away, we're coming and beating big teams, and then. We had a week to prepare for Burnley and drew that game. So it's just so hard to predict what what's going on at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah, so you mentioned Olympiacos, obviously second leg coming up on Thursday. Um, and you guys talked about the West Ham game as well following that. So it might influence um, Arteta's thinking in terms of team selection for, for Thursday's game. May look to rest a few. Obviously Saka picked up what's probably an injury today as well. Three one up from the first leg. What do you guys think for the second leg? We'll just go around and maybe do predictions and thoughts on what you think the games, how the how the game's going to go. And Nero, um, I think I think Aubameyang uh, hopefully should be back for that game. He'll be out for he'll be fully rested now for that game. Uh, I think Arteta will still. I think he'll be professional and still try and put out a sort of strong, strongest possible team. I don't think for one minute he's going to think he thinks that we've won this cup tie. Um, so I think he's going to put out the strongest possible team he's got. He's got. Um, I'll probably say two. We'll concede so two one, two one to Arsenal, and then yeah, win. We'll go through to the next round. Yeah, Aaron. I'm actually going to go for a draw on the on the night, like just because, as Dino said, we seem completely unable to string together a series of wins. So. Let's get the draw out of the way in a game we can actually afford to draw. And um, 
you know, I think Olympiacos will try and score. We'll probably get one back and then we will play it cautious and do enough to stop them. So I think it could get be quite nervy for us, unfortunately. I completely agree. I see. I think it's going to be 1-1 against Olympiacos. I think for a couple of reasons, they, they're obviously going to come in with nothing to lose and are going to need to score lots of goals and they're going to be really up for it on that basis. Yeah. Mm. And then with us, we've just come off a lot of adrenaline from this derby and we've come off that, you know, the good win in the first leg and we know that we've got West Ham coming up. I think it's going to be hard for our players to really get themselves to that gear, you know? Um, and so I think it could be quite nervy. And I think, uh, yeah, 1-1 one, one I'm going to go for. I bet they will probably watch this game and their tactics probably come in. First minute, get someone sent off. They tend to be 11 and just go. Okay, I'm going to go a bit more optimistic, actually. I'm going to say 3-1, so repeat of the first leg. I think that um, he's going to change it up a little bit, like you said, Nero. He's, it's not given, obviously. Um, there's still... 90 minutes to play and anything can happen as we know from last season as well. Um, but I think you've got players now, he's got the whole squad playing well uh, in terms of form. And I think he's got options now where you bring someone like Pepe and you bring Willian in um, and other options where even, you know, at fullback, there's options there or right back um, where he can swap it out and those players can come in and he can sort of trust them to do a job and, um cause Olympiacos problems. And I think we were a lot better than them in the first leg. We dominated them and I think it'll be much of the same in the second. And I think, um, yeah, I'll go for a comfortable 3-1 win. Cool. Okay, guys. Well, brilliant. Happy days. Um, Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We're all happy gooners tonight. Um, And we'll see you next time. Again, if you're uh, watching on YouTube, we'd really, really appreciate hitting the thumbs up button. It really helps support the channel and we hope you enjoyed and we'll see you end of the week for a review of the Olympiacos game thank you very much nice one guys bye bye see you later thank you cheers